Hey, welcome back to Crimes and Closets. This is Beth in my closet in North Carolina. And this is Christy in my closet in St. Louis. And that's sad. I know. <laughs> Last week we're, was... we're like two days, two days out from seeing you. I know. Yes. We forgot to post because Christy came to my house after we got back from Charleston and hung out for a little bit and the kids got to play together, which was, <laughs> we're still talking about it. It was so cute. I know, I know. And the what your husband said about it, like they just play as if they see each other every day. Yeah. Like they were just out there like hanging out like, oh no, I mean, it's been how long since I've seen you? Well, no, I probably just saw you yesterday, right? Hey bro, let's go. <laughs> yeah. My favorite was our boys that are buddies, have been buddies since they were like four or five, where mm-hmm. mine was like, stay in touch. And yours was like, bet. <laughs> like, that's so cute <laughs> that i always get confused by that word well that's they mean like you bet like you bet you bet i will right no oh. it doesn't mean that. oh it doesn't i know what does it mean <laughs> <laughs> it's like like when they say it here it means like bet like um oh, how do i describe it like yeah right or Prove it or something. Like, oh. I think that's what I, that's I would they believe say you. it in my house. I would believe you. Like when they say it, they're like, bet. Like, I don't know. I'm going to look it up right now. <laughs> <laughs> the other one that always gets me is that um, he'll say, stop the cap. Like, as, oh my gosh, like yeah. you're lying. I'm like, how, how yeah. does that mean that? Or cap, cap, I, that's cap. <laughs> yeah. I, you know what? Oh, what bet is in slang? Cool or I'm down. Yeah. Or yeah, sure. See, I feel like I was more right then. Yeah, I guess so. But the way they say it here, I'm like, I don't know. That did, that didn't say that. <laughs> yeah, sure. Bet. Like, yeah, they always say like bet, like prove it. Kind of, yeah, sure. Interesting. Whatever. Anyway, I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Maybe it means to something language. different in Mazara. <laughs> i'll ask them i know i'm gonna ask mine too say that what are you saying i think i have before the amount of things so. phrases that i have had to google in the last year of my life is insane I sometimes i just ask Am you I, <laughs> my 44 year old mind can't remember the difference no that, so. no and then we shouldn't no we should not i don't have to no so there's that. Anyway, it's summer. Yep. I've gone to the pool all week. It's been so nice. <sighs> yeah. I really need to start doing things. I know. I was rage cleaning yesterday, though. Do you ever do that? No. I So I don't start <laughs> out that way. I start out cleaning. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. as I'm cleaning, I realize how annoying it is to clean around crap. Mm, oh, my and gosh. So, you know yes. what I'm saying? So like I'm going mm-hmm. in, I'm tell my children, I'm dusting your room today. And what that means mm-hmm. is all of the stuff on your dresser that doesn't belong there, all of the stuff on your any surface, like I'm going to dust them. And I would mm-hmm. just like to like go like this. You nobody can see me, but like wipe it off with one arm and put it in a trash can. Like if I have to pick it up, that's my way of doing it. Cause I don't even know what all these little things are. Mm-hmm. Half made Legos and what like pick them up. And they didn't pick it up. And so then it turned into like, I got annoyed 
you know, one going from one surface to the other, I get more annoyed and then I start to get mad. And then I'm like, everybody to your rooms. We are detoxing or like purging. We're getting rid of all this crap, whatever. Here's a trash bag, whatever is trash, put it in the trash, whatever needs to be given away, put it in this pile. And they're like, we want to play with our friends. I'm like, there will be no playing with your friends until mommy can dust your room. (laughs) (laughs) So they all spent like an hour yesterday morning dusting their rooms. Oh my or gosh. Heat cleaning their room. Heat cleaning yeah. them. So yeah. and then we went to the pool. Yeah. I turned mm-hmm. back into fun mom I, later. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. I I didn't that's not how mine went yesterday, but I get so, so tired of picking up stuff. Like they will just bring something to the kitchen table to like play with or work on. And then when they're done, they just get up and walk away. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or they bring something down to the pool, like they'll put their bathing suit on, but then they'll take their shirt off and my little guy takes his socks off everywhere. I tell you, when I tell you, I found two pairs of socks underneath my garden, like gardening box. Cause I have like stand up gardening box. Right. Yep. Because he's outside playing and he takes them off and just throws them wherever. Yeah. I found two pairs. <laughs> um, anyway. And I was like, I am not like your cleaning person. You know, like I was, I'm not here to just walk around and pick up everything after you. Like I said to him yesterday, when you're in school and you take a whole bunch of stuff out, do you have to go put it back in the bin? And he, or do you just have to leave it? He's like, oh, yeah, we have to put it back in the bin. I'm like, oh, so you do know how to do it. <laughs> like, put it away here too, please, because I don't want to. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's everything's mom's problem. Or whoever the dedicated cleanup person is in your house, it's their problem. Yeah, they just walk away and they're like, oh, it's, that's not my problem. Somebody else's problem. It's not my problem. Yeah, exactly. It's not my problem. Right. It's a trash can's problem. It's going to get super mm-hmm. full. <laughs> yes. And I will tell you, my mom used to do what you want to do. When if she was annoyed, she would go into the rooms and go and just take her arm and swipe everything off mm-hmm. and be like, "Well, now now you can put it all back." And I know, like, nice way. I was a real. I was a step away from it. Mm-hmm. My sister used to get that first. Like she always end up going into my sister's room first. So then I would be like, "Yeah," <laughs> in my room, like reorganizing everything. And she'd come over, and I'd be like. <laughs> so as she was yelling at your sister, you would be in your room like. Not it. I love that for you. <laughs> I love it. Sorry, Jen. I was going to say, I love it more for your sister. <laughs> okay. Anyway. All right. Well, cleaning's done. I'm back to fun mom. Here we go. Yeah. Do you want a crime? I a sure widely do. suggested crime. Right? Two people, yes. right? <laughs> All right. Well, here we go. I have it for you. One more thing, guys. We forgot to mention that next Monday, we will not have a new crime episode. Christy and I are taking off some time that week to spend with our families for the 4th of July and to enjoy our summer. So we will not have a new episode next Monday. If you'd like more content, we do have a Patreon. So you're welcome to join us there or come find us on social media so that we can interact with you on our break. Here's your story for now. Okay, for this week's case, I am taking you to Wisconsin, (gasps) or back to Wisconsin for you. Okay, okay. The land of cheese. Okay. We've had, uh, haven't we done one? Probably. Yes, we've done, we did a Chippewa case. Okay, okay. So this time, we are going to Two Rivers, Wisconsin. 
Two Rivers is a very, very small town in Manitowoc County. Did I say that right? Good luck pronouncing anything in Manitowoc. (laughs) I think that's right. It's on the eastern part of Wisconsin, right on Lake Michigan. Okay. Mm -hmm. About 45 minutes from Green Bay. This case was recommended by our listener, Katie, who lived 15 miles from where it took place. And she remembers it happening and she remembers it rocking this small town. This is a very well-known case. So I've texted Christy a couple times. It's been very interesting because that's not the norm for us. And I had to take a deep dive, but I didn't have to dig. Right. Which are very different. And so the information was all really accessible. So you're going to know it. Maybe not till later on, but this is the case of Teresa Hallback. I don't know that name. Oh, well, you will. Just okay. give me a moment. I mean, yeah, maybe I know the story. But. <clears throat> Teresa Marie Hallbeck was born on March 22nd, 1980 to parents Richard and Karen. She had two older brothers and two younger sisters, and she was right in the middle. When Teresa was eight years old, her father Richard passed away. And her mother later remarried Richard's brother, whose name was Tom Halbeck. Okay. So her uncle became her stepfather. Okay. Which is convenient because no one had to change their name. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Teresa grew up on a 225-acre dairy farm in Calcuna, Wisconsin. Okay. Which is a small town in Calumet County, an hour west of Two Rivers. So it takes place in Two Rivers, but she lived about an hour west of that. Mm-hmm. Teresa loved the outdoors and she loved taking care of animals on the farm. She graduated from Hilbert High School in 1998 and went on to the University of Wisconsin in Green Bay and majored in photography. Hmm. She graduated summa cum laude in 2002. She's super smart. While she was in college, she worked for Pierce Photography in Green Bay. And after she graduated, she continued working for them, doing portraits and family photos. But she also opened up her own business called Photography by Teresa. And she would shoot weddings and events and freelance work and things like that. She also would occasionally do some freelance work for magazines like Auto Trader, where she would Hmm. take pictures of cars for their ads. So that was sort of on a, like, as they needed it basis. Right. She coached her younger sister's volleyball team, and she was active in her community and in her church. Teresa loved to travel. She loved traveling all across the U.S., but she also spent quite a bit of time in Spain and New Zealand, Australia, Mexico. Her goal was to become a photojournalist for National Geography which would combine her love for travel and photography. Hmm. Sounds oh. really neat. Right. Also, those those photojournalists for National Geographic are amazing. Oh, I know. Yeah, they do such great. I mean, they take such amazing, beautiful pictures. Yeah. She had a lot of friends, and she was described as the life of the party. She had a very big personality, and she loved to sing karaoke. Oh, welcome in, Teresa. Yes. Mm-hmm. As do I. She was a cutie pie. She had short brown hair that was cut in this sporty haircut, and she had a big smile. 
She loved wild cherry Pepsi. Oh, wild cherry. I know, wild cherry. And she dreamed of being a mom. She is described as a happy-go-lucky, typical Midwestern girl. Okay. And she definitely has the Midwestern accent, and it's real cute. Right, right. Teresa lived in an old farmhouse on her parents' property, so on the dairy farm, with a roommate that was a friend of hers named Scott. Scott and Teresa were just platonic friends, nothing romantic. Scott was actually friends with Teresa's ex-boyfriend, Ryan. They had dated for five years and broken up, but she was still pretty close with him. They were kind of all in the same friend group. Okay. And Scott was a friend of his. So Teresa would help out on the farm sometimes on weekends just because she loved to be with her family and she loved the animals. And she would come over to her parents' house every Sunday night to have dinner and hang out with her two younger sisters and they would watch Extreme Makeover. That was their weekly tradition. Mm-hmm. On October 30th, 2005, that was a Sunday, Teresa, who was then 25, went to her parents' house that afternoon to celebrate her grandfather's birthday and to have her routine Sunday evening with her family. They celebrated with her grandpa. They had dinner. She helped milk some cows. And then her and her sisters watched Extreme Makeover Home Edition. And she went home about 10 o'clock. I remember she lives on the property. Mm -hmm. Her ex-boyfriend, Ryan, was there at the house hanging out with her roommate, Scott. And she spoke to them about a Halloween party that they were all going to be going to the next day. And she said she was going to dress up as a cowgirl. Which is cute for the little dairy farm girl. So on Monday, October 31st, 2005, Teresa went to work as normal. She had several photography appointments that day. And her last appointment that afternoon was through Auto Trader, the magazine, to photograph a minivan for a woman who wanted to sell it. So she called the number and left a message telling them that she would be out around two or a little after and asked for a call back to confirm the address to make sure and to make sure that that time worked for them. Right. When she got a call back, it was not from a woman who made the appointment. It was from a man named Stephen Avery. Okay. Stephen Avery owned a scrapyard called Avery Salvage Yard in Two Rivers. Now, do you know this case? No. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I think I might have to shame you. Okay. For real. Teresa had taken photos for Stephen and his family before when they would sell cards. I mean, they had a junkyard. They had a salvage yard. So they would sell cars or parts or things like that regularly. And she'd taken pictures for him before five or six times. You know, wasn't they weren't strangers. Mm-hmm. Teresa did not particularly like Stephen because he just creeped her out. He, she told a co-worker one time that she, he answered the door in a towel And, like, just was being really weird, and she got a vibe, and she just didn't Mm. particularly like him. Mm -hmm. But she took the job anyway, and she went out to meet him. However, Teresa was never seen again. Oh, my gosh. She didn't show up for the Halloween party that evening, and after a few days went by where no one could get a hold of her, her mom finally was trying to get a hold of her and reported her missing. It's unclear to me... 
if it's normal for her to like go MIA like that for a couple days, it doesn't seem mm-hmm. like it was part of her personality. But I mean, it's also not abnormal that she would go a week without seeing her parents because she would go every Sunday and she right. was just there on Sunday and this was Monday. So, but needless to say, by November 3rd, people were looking for her and her mom reported her missing. Okay. So police began retracing Teresa's last steps. They're already behind the game, right? And they determined that the last place that she had been was to see Stephen Avery at Avery Salvage Yard. I will tell you who he is in a minute, by the way. Okay. So they found out that Stephen had actually made the call requesting a photographer to be sent out and specifically asked for the same girl that was here before, meaning Teresa. But he had mm-hmm. put the request under his sister's name. Oh. Which is weird. Okay. Mm-hmm. They also found that Stephen had called Teresa several times that day on October 31st. And two of those times that he called, he used star 67. Oh. Do you want to tell some of our younger listeners what star 67 was back in the day? That blocks your phone number, right? So you don't know what number is calling you. Right. It makes your number come up as like unknown or blocked caller. Mm -hmm. I think it's still a thing. I think you can still do it. But you would hit star six, seven and then dial the number and it would come up unknown. So you were like an Mm -hmm. anonymous caller. I definitely never used to do that when I was trying to figure out whether my boyfriends were home in high school. (laughs) Yeah, because once caller ID came out, it was like, what? (laughs) Definitely never did that at all. So they traced her cell phone activity, but there had been no activity after 2.41 p.m. the afternoon of October 31st, 2005, which she had left a message saying that she was going to be at the property a little bit after 2. So that's a pretty Mm -hmm. tight time frame. There had also been no activity on her credit cards or bank accounts. So Stephen Avery quickly became their prime suspect. Mm-hmm. All right, let's talk about who Stephen Avery is. He is no stranger to law enforcement, and he's no stranger to literally have this in my notes. Anyone who knows true crime, except for now, apparently me. <laughs> You're debunking <laughs> that. Stephen Avery is the subject of a very well-known Netflix documentary called "Making a Murderer." Oh, and okay, I, I know. Okay. I know who you are talking about now, but I never watched it. I could not get into it. Yeah. I watched the first episode. Okay. I had never watched it before either prior to Mm -hmm. this. And we'll talk about it um, later, but I don't know that I recommend it. Honestly, it's interesting. I don't, I didn't like it. Yeah. It's one of the very, very few that I was like now. It's very Um, well done mm -hmm. um, as far as quality. As far as substance, Mm -hmm. I don't like it all that much. Okay. Okay. Let me tell you about Making a Murderer. For those of you who have not watched it, do not know. In the summer of 1985, so 20 years before Teresa goes missing, a woman named Penny Bernstein was running on a beach on Lake Michigan, and she was approached by a scraggly-haired man with a knife. She was forced into the woods. She was sexually assaulted and beaten and left for dead. Mm. But she did not die. And she was in the hospital. Police came to interview her, asked her about her attacker, and she's telling him about it. And one of the sheriffs said, that sounds like Stephen Avery. Hmm. The Avery family, 
they were a rough family, big family, and they had a kind of a reputation in town. Mm-hmm. Um, it's said that possibly the sheriff had some t- type of a beef going on with Stephen, something to do with his wife. But anyway, so they did a photo lineup and she identified Stephen Avery out of the photo lineup. She again identified him out of a live lineup. Oh, okay. So Stephen was the suspect. Stephen had an alibi at the time. He was in Green Bay, which was about 45 miles away with his wife and children. He had like time stamped receipts. He had 16 eyewitnesses, but police narrowed in on him. And he ultimately was convicted of Penny's rape and attempted murder and was sentenced to 32 years in prison, but maintained his innocence the entire time. He exhausted all of his appeals in the 90s, but in 2002, the Wisconsin Innocence Project took on his case, and they then were able to test DNA from the attack and rape, and it did not match Stephen. Right. Okay. I think I feel like that was like the part of the first episode, that stuff, because that stuff I remember. Okay. Okay. So the DNA for Penny's rape matched a known rapist and criminal in town, Gregory Allen, who... um, was actually in jail in 2002 when they tested it. He was in jail for sexually assaulting another woman mm. and was serving 60 years in prison. So that's a real shame that he went free and went on to victimize others. But yeah, as a result of this DNA testing in 2003, Stephen Avery was exonerated and released from prison. So he went back to working on his family's salvage yard. He moved into a trailer on the property and he filed a lawsuit against Manitowoc County for $36 million in damages for his wrongful conviction. So he served 18 years in prison as an innocent man. Right. Okay. But now here we are two years later and he's the prime suspect in a missing persons case. Yeah. Uh huh. So at the time, Stephen was living with a woman named Jody. But she was in jail on some driving under the influence charges. So he was alone at the time. Okay. And so this isn't his because he was had a wife and kids when this initial case happened. This is not the same. No. When No. He had a wife and kids in 1985 when he was wrongfully right. convicted. and But they divorced during the time that okay. he was in prison. Okay. So he's living with this woman, Jody, but she's in jail. So he's by himself. So Stephen is questioned and he confirms that Teresa had been there that day, but that she had left around three o'clock. So because of the conflict of interest with Manitowoc Police Department, like they wrongfully convicted him before. So there's a conflict of interest. Mm -hmm. So the case is supposed to be being handled by Calumet County, which is where Teresa Mm -hmm. lived. So they were like, listen, Manitowoc, you got a lawsuit pending on this guy for a wrongful conviction. You need to be hands off. Right. You know, be around here in case we need your help. But like, you're not heading this up. You're out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Search parties go out. Missing person flyers are put up everywhere. The searches are being organized by Teresa's roommate, Scott, and her ex-boyfriend, Ryan, and her family. The community comes out in full force in this small town. On November 5th, two of the searchers located Teresa's car. It was found parked on a side road on the Avery salvage yard. Okay. So, and I'm going to try to post a picture of this if I can find one. But if you think about a salvage yard, there's all these cars, hundreds and hundreds of cars. And they're Mm. parked in rows, you know, like a parking lot. But so like, here's the group of rows. 
in this one square. And then on the outskirts of it, sort of on the perimeter of the salvage yard, there's some cars that are parked single file, kind of going around the edge. Her car was found parked on the edge there. Like, okay. But nose with another car. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah. And it had stuff on it, like branches and limbs that were like very deliberately placed over top of it. So, mm-hmm. because this is a salvage yard and her car is not a junker, like it's right. a, you know, it's a clean, newer, not broken down or damaged car. So, kind of trying to make it look like it had been there longer than it was by that's throwing some exactly stuff on it. yes that's exactly mm-hmm. right so but they found it and they were able to confirm that it was the the car now there's some speculation it took them like 20 or 30 minutes to find it and you're talking about a 40 acre salvage yard so they almost kind of went straight to that place which was kind of off the regular path of the car so like how do you know okay. it's there like you found that awfully quick but whatever okay So police searched the car and they found blood in the back of the car that was confirmed to be Teresa's. And there was also unknown blood found near the ignition in the car. So like where the key goes in. That blood was a match to Stephen Avery. Oh, okay. Stephen's home and property were searched. This search lasted eight days. Oh, my. Well, it's a salvage yard and he lives on the salvage yard. And there's all kinds of other people that also live on the salvage yard. It's a huge piece of property. And it's all his family that's all living there. So, like, there's a lot to go through. There's garages and shops and buildings and all kinds of stuff. So it took him eight days. And like I said, Calumet County did do most of the investigation and the searching. But there were some investigators from Manitowoc County there which they probably mm-hmm. shouldn't have been. Some of the investigators, at least one, was personally named in the lawsuit that Stephen had pending for his wrongful case. Oh. Like, that's that's not smart. Yeah. So in the backyard behind Stephen's trailer, investigators found charred human bones and bone fragments in a burn pit. So he had like a big burn pit behind his trailer and there were human remains in the burn pit. Those remains were identified as the remains of Teresa Hallback. So they do know that she was deceased. She was 25 years old. Super sad. But a cause of death could not be determined. Oh. Because they were so badly burned and dismembered. One expert did say, and it was only one, that there were signs that she had possibly been shot in the head. Like there were some markings on some of the skull bones that they found that could indicate bullets, but Mm -hmm. nothing was ever definitively said of what happened to her. So they have no idea. Teresa's camera and cell phone were also found nearby inside of Stephen's home. Okay. So they searched his home six times. Okay. And they found nothing. Right. On the sixth time, they, there was like a table and they shook the table or moved the table. And when they did that, a set of keys fell from like behind it. And it was her car keys. <gasps> the investigator that did that was the one that was named in the lawsuit. Oh, Lord. So they saying he planted it? So... Okay, so police had... Uh, yes, that's exactly what they're saying. <laughs> I don't know if that's where you're going, but like the name of the documentary is Making a Murderer. So I feel like... <laughs> right, right. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So six time, these keys are found. They're her keys. His prints are on the keys, but hers are not. 
Oh, well, that's weird. No, I think that's weird too. Yeah. There's also no prints of his in the car, which is also odd because so like he did have a scratch on his finger that they were saying that's where the blood came from. But then there would be prints like if he was wearing right. gloves, there would be no fingerprints. But how would his blood from his hand get there? Right. It's like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just all very convoluted. So when they first started the search, um, he had illegal firearms. And mm-hmm. so they arrested him for that and then continued okay. the eight day search. But once they found this other evidence, they went, they charged him also with first degree murder, kidnapping and mutilation of a body. They also found in his garage, some spent shell casings that they feel like were connected somehow. Mm-hmm. But not, nothing else. Now they found no blood in the house. Okay. No signs of a struggle. No blood in the garage. Right. So no evidence like that. And and none of Teresa's fingerprints or DNA were, were ever able to be found in the house. Hmm. Okay. Now, the police did look into other people. They looked into her ex-boyfriend, Ryan, who some people say acted kind of sketchy and had some conflicting stories about when he last saw Teresa. Like... One story he said she was wearing a cowgirl girl costume, which would indicate it was Monday before the Halloween party or at the Halloween party. Mm-hmm. Other others say accounts say that he said they were just talking about how she was going to be a cowgirl. So like he was looked into, mm-hmm. he's mm-hmm. cleared. They also looked into her roommate Scott, who never reported her missing for days or alerted the family, which is odd to me. Yeah, but, right. Mm-hmm. But he was also cleared. Um. Her boss at Pierce Photography told police that in the weeks leading up to her murder, she had been getting unwanted phone calls from someone. Like her phone would ring over and over again and she would just ignore it and she would say things like, oh, not him again. Mm -hmm. Her boss asked her about it, like, is everything okay? And she was like, oh, yeah, it's fine. You know, don't worry about it. And she never told him who it was. Right. Now, Stephen is claiming his innocence. He is claiming that all of this evidence was planted and that he was being framed by Manitowoc County because of his history with them and the lawsuit. Okay. Well, I mean, not totally out of the realm of possibilities. (laughs) It's not totally out of the realm of possibilities. Well, yeah. But think of the evidence. No, I know. But I'm just saying, like... Right. It's not totally. It's not... Yeah. Yeah, I can see why he thinks their uh, practices are odd or sketchy or, you know, yeah, off. Right, yeah, exactly. And why somebody else might believe him when he was wrongfully convicted. So, right. yeah, why not play the card? He legitimately <laughs> has been victimized by this county's police right. department before. Mm-hmm. So in a little bit of a twist, while awaiting trial in March of 2006, so this is about five months after Teresa was murdered, Stephen's nephew, who is 16-year-old Brendan Dassey, confessed to helping Stephen kill and hide Teresa. 16 years old? He's 16. So in this confession, well, first of all, he's 16. Mm-hmm. He was alone. He was interviewed alone. So he had no mm. attorney, no parent or guardian present. He has a lower than average IQ. Mm-hmm. And he struggles very much in processing information and relaying it. So not only is he a minor, he has a cognitive disability and Mm -hmm. he was questioned alone. 
right. by yeah. very seasoned investigators. So in this confession, Brendan said he lived on the property as well, like just really kind of across or beside Stephen. He said he got off the bus around 3.30 from school. And he went to get the mail from the mailbox. And there was a piece of mail in his mailbox for his uncle Stephen. So he said that he walked over to Stephen's trailer to give it to him. As he approached the trailer, he said that he heard a woman screaming. Oh. So he knocked on the door and Stephen answered and he was all sweaty and out of breath. And he led Brendan into his trailer and back to the bedroom where Stephen showed Brendan, the tied up and naked body of Teresa. Oh my. Brendan went on to say that he and Stephen sexually assaulted her, that they stabbed her and cut her throat and choked her, and then ultimately put her body in the burn pit and had a bonfire. Oh my gosh. Now, Brendan had also been questioned back when Stephen was originally arrested because mm -hmm. he had access to the property. And so they wanted to know what he saw, if anything. And his statement back then was that he came home from school. He went inside. He played video games. He ate. His mom came home around five o'clock. And at seven o'clock, Stephen had called him to come over and help him with a bonfire. So they drove around in the side by side, gathered up trash and wood to burn. They lit the bonfire and he was back home by 10 o'clock, said he never saw Teresa no body, hmm. none of that stuff. So that's what he said way back in November, whenever Teresa's remains were found. Mm -hmm. So this new story is wildly different. And also his mom and brother both confirmed that he was home that afternoon until seven o'clock. Hmm. So like that's conflicting. Right. Yeah. But it's, it's also his mom and brother. So yeah, that's true. Now, again, there was no blood found in Stephen's house, none of Teresa's DNA. There was no blood on the mattress. There was no blood in his bedroom. There was nothing to corroborate this story that Brendan has told. Right. It's so strange. You'd think there would be something. They can't be that good at clean up. People are cleaning up. Right. His story also doesn't explain the bullets because he doesn't mention oh, yeah. her being shot. Mm -hmm. But regardless, Brendan is arrested and charged with first-degree murder, secondary sexual assault, kidnapping, and mutilation of a corpse. Oh, wow. Okay. okay. This is a four-hour confession. And I watched just about... You can watch the whole thing online. I watched a large portion of it. And I am not going to lie. It does seem like at some point that investigators are feeding him information. Oh, like that bullet. Okay. So they want, they want to tie in that bullet that they found in Steven's garage and they wanted Brendan to tell them that they had shot Teresa, but he didn't say that at all. So they keep asking him what, what else happened specifically to her head? What else happened to her head? Uh. And he's like, um, nothing. And then he's like, oh, we cut her hair. And they're like, Okay. What else? Yeah. What else confused. happened to her head? And then he's like, we punched her. Yeah. And, and like, it seems like he's just making it up. Right. And then yeah. finally they're like, okay, Brendan, who shot her? And he's like, oh, Stephen. <laughs> so 
I yeah. have I have concerns. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I have concerns, and I didn't even like, like it, this is a small snippet that you're telling me, <laughs> right? And after he confesses and he's arrested, immediately after he tells his mom that he did not mean any of that, that he made it all up, and says they got in my head, and this is on a recorded phone call. Oh my gosh! So after Brendan's arrested. They also tack on additional sexual assault charges to Stephen's charges because they didn't know anything about a sexual assault before. So when Brendan right. confesses, then they say, okay, now we're going to add sexual assault charges to Stephen's. Stephen settled his lawsuit against the county. Remember, he had that pending $36 million lawsuit. He settled it for $450,000, like kind of in a rush so that he could cover, cover his legal fees. Oh, okay. And he went on trial in February of 2017. Nope, 2007. Okay. I was like, wow, that was a while. Long dates are hard. (laughs) 2007 grows on trial. So Brendan now is saying his confession is false, totally false. And he refused to testify against his uncle. Okay. So because he was refusing to testify, now those sexual assault charges were dismissed because there's no proof of them. Right. Okay. During the trial, Stephen's attorney brought up evidence from the 1985 rape trial. Okay. Okay. Try to stick with me. I'm trying. So (laughs) during the 1985 rape trial in which he was wrongfully convicted, they had a vial of Stephen's blood. So investigators got all of that evidence, or his attorneys, I'm sorry, got all of that evidence. And when they got to that vial, all of the seals were broken. Oh. So like it had been opened, but there was no chain of custody to say who had opened it. Like there was nothing in the record saying we had to open it for this, this, and this. So when they got in there and opened it, the vial actually had a needle mark in the top of it. Oh. So his attorneys are actually suggesting that the county, sheriff's department, police, somebody, had gone in there and drawn a portion of Stephen's blood out and planted it in Teresa's car. Just like took like a needle, like sucked some out and then like squirted it in the car. (laughs) Or like, yeah, planted it there. Which, I mean, honestly, not out of the realm of possibilities because there was no fingerprint. So it's true. If you just like squirted a little bit out on there. It's true. Anyway. So they requested that the blood sample from Teresa's car be tested for a chemical called EDTA. So that is a chemical that is put in blood samples to preserve them in evidence. Oh. And it is not found in the human body. So if they take your blood sample and they need to save it as evidence, they're going to put EDTA in it so it's preserved and the DNA remains. Huh, interesting. So if the blood sample from Teresa's car tested positive for EDTA, then it would prove that it had been from that vial and that it was planted. But those results came back controversially inconclusive. Inconclusive? Some people say it wasn't present. Some people say that the threshold they tested at wasn't appropriate and they should have tested for a bigger threshold because it could have been trace amounts, blah, 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 blah. So Hmm, ultimately, we don't know. Stephen Avery was found guilty of Teresa's murder and he was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. So evidence against him was the bullet, 
uh-huh. her remains found in his backyard, her car found on his property, his blood found in her car, and the fact that she was the last person, he was the last person to knowingly see her alive. And and he was deceitful and calls to her. Mm-hmm. I mean, which makes you seem a little suspicious. <laughs> right. I mean, that's a lot of evidence. <laughs> it is a lot of evidence. Yeah. Okay. So he's found guilty. He is serving life without the possibility of parole. He's currently 59 years old and he is at Waypon Way- 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 Correctional Institute in Wisconsin. Yeah. Your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> I had somebody, I had somebody voice text me how to pronounce something and somebody still said I said it wrong. So <laughs> okay. anyway. He has so far lost all of his appeals, and the last one was in July of 2021. He does have a new wow. attorney on his case right now who seems like a real bulldog, and she truly believes in his innocence, so I'm going to follow it. In April of 20, 2007, why well, I can't say 2007 today. I don't know. It's a long time ago. Brendan Dassey, it's really not, <laughs> went on trial. So this is the nephew. Right. Now, Brendan was charged and tried as an adult, and the only evidence against him was Stephen's conviction. So Stephen was convicted and mm-hmm. his confession. That's it. Which he which he said he lied on. Which he said was false. I mean, yeah. But they have a recorded video recorded yeah. confession. Right. He was found guilty of Teresa's murder as well and was sentenced to life in prison with the possibility of parole in 2048. Wow. So his conviction was overturned in 2016, and they ruled that investigators took advantage of the then 16-year-old's cognitive disabilities and tricked him into confessing, and the case went under like a review board. But after the review, the conviction was upheld. Oh, wow. Okay. So he is currently 32 years old and is serving at Oshkosh Correctional Institute. I can say that one. Uh-huh. He will be 59 when he is eligible por- for parole in 2048. Jeez. Okay. I'm so tired. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is a lot. <laughs> a lot. When the Netflix documentary came out in 2015... It incited a petition of over 500,000 signatures that was sent to the White House requesting that Stephen Avery be pardoned by the then president, President Obama. He said that he had no jurisdiction to pardon a state's criminal, which I think he probably was like, "Mm, not touching that with a 10 foot pole. Right. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I watched the first season of Making a Murderer which is about the investigation and trial of Stephen and Brendan and Teresa's murder. I, this is my take and people are probably going to come at me for this, but I think things, there were some things that were mishandled. I don't think the Manitowoc County, anybody should have been involved. And I think that taints things. Yeah. Yeah. I think that they're trying to use Brendan's confession to create a theory that can't be proven, which is problematic okay. because uh-huh. had that happened, there would be blood in his bedroom. Right. But I think the documentary is very skewed to show Stephen as a victim. Because he was at one point. 
Correct. And what a sensational story. Yes. That they have wrongfully convicted him twice. Like, how would that happen? That is sensational. Okay. There's been lawsuits filed against Netflix because of defamation and um, just like they, they leave out information. Like they don't talk about how he called her number and used the, to block his call. They don't talk about uh-huh. little things like that and they're little. Right. But but matter. But it's something. They, yeah. they call to his character and to motive yeah. and to a cover up and things like that. I mean, there's, there's like some talk about some people, some of his nephews testified, not Brendan, some other ones, family members testify that he um, joked with them in a day or so after Teresa disappeared before anybody even knew she was missing. Like, Hey, how would you like to help me hide a body? Like just things like that. Okay. That they don't talk about in the, in the documentary. So it just seemed, it's like the Avery side of the story. Right. Right. It doesn't tell. Right. It doesn't tell the whole story. And in fact, the DA. Go ahead. The DA wrote a book that said it's it's I can't remember what it's called. I should have written it down, but it's something like what making a murderer got wrong. Oh, and it Ooh, that would be interesting. All of the evidence. So anyway, what right. were you going to say? I was just going to ask like, okay, so for those people, whoever out there that thinks he's wrongfully convicted again, what, who then and would have done this to her? just to frame him like right like put all of that like she was she was burned on your property her car was on your property <laughs> like well they can't prove she was burned on his property well her remains okay. were there i mean they right. and, and that's the thing like in the trial some people say there's evidence she was moved you know that she was burned somewhere else and moved there and planted and do they have an idea of who else could have done this exactly i like, mean yeah did somebody just uh, like did her boyfriend kill her and they the investigators found her dead and were like you know what we should do with her remains we should frame Stephen Avery like that seemed right. wildly far fetched right especially when you're in the middle of a, a like a a lawsuit anyway like why would you even want to go down that route to like try and do that right I, you know i don't know i don't know right i mean unless they were just right i don't know i, I don't know i agree with you I'm, i feel like it would have been a little like too close <laughs> to all of a sudden just be like let's do this again it's like obvious <laughs> right yeah right right yeah okay as far as brendan goes brendan dassey who is serving life in prison at least until he's almost 60 years old like yeah. i said his confession concerns me a lot I'm wondering if the Wisconsin Innocent Project has been considered looking into his case because I think that might be worth looking into. I just there's just no proof that corroborates uh, right. his confession, and I and I just have issues with it. I don't, I don't. It bothers me. It made me uncomfortable. I felt really bad for him. Yeah, and yeah, if he did it, if he did it, he is in the right place. If what he said is true, he is in the right place. I just don't. I'm not convinced beyond a reasonable doubt. So back in 2003, after Stephen's exoneration, so back when he was wrongfully convicted and he was exonerated, there was a bill that was proposed called the Avery Bill. 
And this bill would require like electronic recordings of both um, juvenile and felony interrogations, written policies governing like the eyewitness identification procedures because of the way that they did the photo lineup um, for the attacker. This is back in the rape one. And they would require priority priority DNA testing in post-conviction cases. So this was because of his wrongful conviction that they proposed this bill, and it was called the Avery Bill. The bill passed into Wisconsin law in October 2005, one month before Stephen was arrested for Teresa's murder. (laughs) They passed the bill in his name. So after his arrest, the name of the bill was changed to the Criminal Justice Reform Bill. Okay. And Stephen's Avery Stephen Avery's photo was removed from the Wisconsin Innocence Project website because he was like their oh. poster child. Right. And now they're like, ah, we take it back. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, he was innocent connected. then. So, yeah. So that, I mean, but, like, but I get why they wouldn't want him to be like front. Yeah. You know, right. The, right. As soon as you like, click on their website, like, boom. <laughs> right. So Teresa's family, they believe that the right men are behind bars for her murder. And Stephen's girlfriend at the time of the murder, Jody, remember the one that was in uh-huh. jail? She told Nancy Grace in 2015 in an interview that she believed Stephen may have done it and that she believed it back then when it happened, but that he had threatened her and her family if she didn't stand behind him. Oh, so I mean, that's pretty telling. She does support him throughout the documentary. Okay, but is now saying now after it's come out, she's saying that he threatened her. Right. Okay. And that is the case of Teresa Hallbeck, which she gets very lost in the fold. And I really hope that I was able to majority tell her story. I know that he, Stephen Avery, has a huge story. We could have a multiple season podcast just on his story, but it's really about her. She is the victim. She seemed amazing. Rest in peace, Teresa. You deserved so much more, so much better. Yeah. Gosh, no kidding, man. What? Ugh. I, this, there's so much. <laughs> there's so much in this. You have no like, idea. I want to know what, like, why he would have done this to her, like, you know, because, oh, just because he's a bad person. And yeah, I want to I mean, know what their, yeah. what their alternative theory is. Like, give me one. Don't, like, I don't know. Like, I need to know. Did Netflix have an alternate? I, I have to watch it just so that I can see this thing. No, I couldn't get through it the first time. So I doubt I'd be able to do it this time. So mm-hmm. I, I did not like it. Okay. I mean, like I said, it's it's not the quality is fine. It's a lot of um, interviews of family. It's a lot of recorded phone calls. It's a lot of the trial. You actually get to sit. Right. You can watch the confession. Like it, it just is skewed to me, and it bothers me. And and again, it's not about Teresa, and so it's all right. about him, right. and it's all about um, how he is the victim of right. of this right. county. That's all. literally all it's about. <laughs> okay. And it's only one season? No, there's two seasons. The second season is about... I did not watch the second season because it's more about the appeals and um, what has happened since they've been convicted. Okay. So it's still about him. Okay. 
Him and Bridget, I thought, too. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I guess I think I thought that was going to be, like, um, a series of, like, pe- different people when I – Oh, and it's not but, so far. Right. Yeah. No, it, it makes sense. Now that I know the story, it makes sense that it was, like, literally just about him and only mm-hmm. needed to be about him. But Yeah. Thank you, Katie, for the suggestion. Hope that you um, agree and don't come at me. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know that anybody could come at you for this. I don't. I mean, unless they've got some sort of information in their back pocket that they're like, no, but there are 500,000 people that signed a position that think that he is innocent. Well, that's true. (laughs) I kind of feel like maybe our listeners probably didn't sign that, but (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) But you never know. Never know. Oh my gosh. Well, I mean, thank you. Because I know this took you forever. Two (laughs) weeks, y'all. I've been on this. Two weeks. (laughs) This is like the longest I think ever to take to research and get prepared for. And so we appreciate you. Thank you. Is there like podcast appreciation day? Yes. I think we've missed it all, all the years, though. I think. Well, I'm making today Podcaster Appreciation Day for Beth. Oh, <laughs> for, for diving into this one and telling it, even though it was a struggle yeah, for you. It's what I do. It's what I do. So, gosh. Well, I mean, I'm glad that he's behind bars. I am in agreement with you on the um, Brendan situation. Like, I don't. I'm not convinced 100% and I didn't even watch Mm -hmm. any of what you watched. I'm sure if I did, I'd feel even more strongly. So, Um, but yeah, I think, I think Stephen Avery's Stephen Avery. (laughs) I can't believe it. I can't believe you were like drawing us such a blank. (laughs) I know. No, you're like, this is so well known. I'm like, "Mm." I thought for sure when I said Stephen Avery, you'd be like, oh yeah. But it wasn't until I said making a murderer. (laughs) Yes. And then I then I remembered, oh, gosh, that was the name of the guy. But like, again, like I said, I made it through naughty. I don't even think I made it through the whole first episode because I was like, man, this doesn't seem like it's anything that I'm. And I just I, I don't know. I just didn't. I didn't like it. So I was like, no, bye. Yeah. See you later. <laughs> so, anyway. Anyways, so thank you. Thanks for dealing with that whole series. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Even though it wasn't great. Um, and yeah, thank you, Katie, for making the suggestion and um, let us know your thoughts. Like, yeah. I mean, why not? We, we're we here for it. We, we want to hear if you have a differing opinion, we will definitely hear it out. Yeah. But we probably will not change our opinion. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so <laughs> anyways. anyways, I'm sorry. I'm like at a loss for words on this one because it's just... <laughs> So there's just so many things in it. So many. Not even the half of it. Right. Yeah. I feel like if I had been having like wine with this, I that's why I would be so like at a loss for words because I'd just be like confused. But I'm not. I haven't been drinking, guys. I'm just confused and like at a loss in general <laughs> for words right now. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But if you did like the story, please let us know. If you didn't let us know, that's fine. Um, please go rate and review us if you get a chance. We love the reviews because we love to know why you are rating us the way you are. Mm-hmm. It's fun for us to read. We enjoy that. And go find us on Patreon if you so choose. And check out our merch if you haven't. Mm-hmm. And just always remember, the world is scary. People suck. Hide in your closets.